All right. Well, today on our uh, Mastermind Live Q&A, we've got Will here um, from uh, XP University. Uh, he's Associate Dean of Research. Uh, I'll get into your introduction in a bit, Will. Um, I just wanted to go through a few things first. Um, I do tend to talk quite fast, so if anyone has any issues with that, um, that's uh, on the event. Just let me know. Um, throw that in the chat box. Uh, tell me to slow down a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> so um, basically, this will last about 30 minutes, I think, or give or take. Um, for those that are listening uh, on our podcast or you know on the recording, um, welcome to you. Uh, nice to see you. Hopefully, this is useful. Um, so basically. What we're going to do, go through a quick introduction of uh, what we do here at Belmont Levan, myself. Um, I'll let Will go through uh, what he does. Um, we've got a quick presentation to go through some things on obviously uh, managing and kind of safeguarding uh, your reputation um, right now and uh, through the through the crisis essentially. Um, and then we've got uh, some time for some questions. Uh, we do have some questions that people put in um, already beforehand uh, from some people that we spoke to in advance of this uh, this live event. So um, let's get things going. Um, if anything has anything anything to say, uh, throw out the chat box, just throw um, an R or an L to say, or even a Q just to say question, uh, I for insight, anything like that. If you have anything to say throughout the presentation, um, and we'll go into questions kind of after each, each main topic. So uh, let me just get this going. Here we go. So uh, what this group is and why, Introducing to, to Will here, different types of reputation, managing reputation kind of through crises, uh, authenticity, and just uh, our Q&A. So me and Belmont Levan. Well, Belmont Levan, uh, we're obviously a recruitment firm. Um, this call obviously isn't about recruitment. Mainly, it's to help uh, you know leaders and um, senior people within you know our our client base, essentially startups and scaleups uh, within tech across Europe. Um, worldwide even. Um, so that's what this is all about um, and that's what we focus on. So we do a number of executive roles, product marketing, uh, CPO, all that type of stuff. Um, me personally, I've spent six years in recruitment and I come from a marketing and communications background um, and I've got a lifelong passion for products. So that's where we are today. So I'll let Will introduce himself um, and uh, he can kind of go through, uh, you know, where he came from, what he what he does, and what his uh, his focus is on. Thanks very much, Michael. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Will Harvey. I'm a professor at the University of Exeter Business School in the southwest in the UK. I'm associate dean of research, which means I'm essentially the strategic lead for research in the business school. Um, most of my rep, um, research now is focused in the area of reputation, and, and that's an area that uh, I'm going to focus on today. I've, I've also done work on uh, social networks, uh, mobility of highly skilled workers, uh, and a lot of my work has involved researching elites in different contexts. So that's business elites, political elites, uh, a range of people in senior roles. Uh, and a lot of my work uh, engages both with academics and, and top journals uh, across the world, as well as uh, with practitioners. So really looking forward to sharing some of my insights and uh, hearing your questions. Awesome, Will, thanks. Um, so let's get into this. I mean, um, the first thing that a lot of people, or, well, not a lot of people, but I thought we should probably go through is just uh, uh, different types of reputation. I know this is something that you did cover in one of those articles you've written recently. So it's probably a good type place to start because obviously, you know, reputation means different things to different people. And I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's kind of difficult to quantify in a lot of cases, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let me try and uh, keep my, my definition of reputation fairly simple. Uh, I, I guess the first thing to, to note about reputation is it's a perception and not a fact. It's not what one individual necessarily thinks. It tends to be an aggregation of multiple stakeholder groups and how they think and feel about an organization, or it could be a product within an organization, for instance. And so, so on this slide, you can see kind of four areas that I think are really important in terms of different types of reputation to consider. One is the for something. So of, often, of course, customers are interested in the quality of a, a given product or, or the particular service that's being delivered. So that's one type of reputation. The other is considering your reputation with someone. So of course, for a lot of organizations, that's gonna be focused on your customers. But of course, every organization has a different set of stakeholders. So all organizations have employees. So that would be another stakeholder group. Some will have investors and partners, for instance. So it's worth considering not only who are your stakeholders, but who are the most salient stakeholders that you need to engage with. The third, third aspect is around um, reputation in some place. And, and this is kind of flagging the fact that um, whether you operate locally or globally, how you're perceived in different geographic entities is going to vary. So, so let me give you an example. I did a big project on a global management consulting company and I did interviews, surveys all over the world. And what's so interesting is you've got one firm and one single brand, but when you ask people in different geographic jurisdictions about the reputation of that organization, it was very, very different. And so that's just something to bear in mind that, that you may try and achieve coherence across jurisdictions, but actually how you're perceived at a local level or even at a national level may vary. And then the final point to make about reputation is it's not something that's impulsive. It is something that develops over time. And that's worth bearing in mind because when different stakeholders perceive you, they will often be looking at your perception at that moment in time versus what you've done in the past. And so when you're thinking about right now, for instance, pivoting into a new area of operation, just be mindful that reputation can be sticky, meaning that it can be quite hard to convince other stakeholders, for instance, your customers or your clients, that actually we're not this type of organization anymore, we're that kind of organization. So you're gonna to need to help them on that journey. So in, in terms of actually helping them on that journey, what would, what would that might entail? Maybe like a, you know, an actionable type of thing that people can, can kind of do. Is, is that just in relation to their messaging or what, what will that kind of be? Well, let, let me, let me give you um, a, an example in your world, Michael, right? So I did a project on uh, executive search firms uh, in Australia during the, the last um, global financial crisis. Okay. And of course, uh, during that particular crisis, there were, there were a lot of challenges around search because of course, you know, there's less roles going around, there's less demand to place senior people in, in top organizations. And so what a lot of organizations, executive search firms started to do was think, well, where are the kind of aligning areas of activity that we could help our clients with? 
And so what you started to see is a focus on leadership development, succession mm-hmm. planning, diagnostics around leadership, some consulting around leadership. Now, so, so one aspect is just identifying those kind of areas of opportunity. And then the second aspect is then working with your key stakeholders to talk them through how you've got legitimacy in these new areas that you're claiming for. So, so you've got to do more than just tell, you've actually got to persuade those key people that you've got the relevant expertise that they're looking for. All right, that, that makes sense. Um, so if anyone has any questions on that, obviously just throw them there in the, the Q&A box. Um, of course, um, probably just go to, to the end because uh, it's kind of a little bit easier to segue through to the next part here. So um, just based off what we're talking about. So I mean, um, you did have an article, obviously, um, and uh, it went through you know some of these main questions, um, kind of uh, managing the rep of your business. I do know that that was kind of a little bit more focused on internal, maybe reputation as well, more yep. than more than external. But obviously, a lot of these things still do apply, especially you know you're seeing a lot of different uh, companies putting out um, essentially messaging about what they're actually doing with their own internal employees, even. Um, so I think that no matter what, that kind of this stuff is being put out across the board by organizations, whether it be internally or externally. So, um, I mean, maybe you could go through those. I mean, I've, we've put on here compassion causes kind of the two big ones because, hold on a sec. <clears throat> because last week we had um, a live event. Uh, there was a bunch of uh, points about um, how, or Michael Saka from Dribble is actually making some points on how He's, going, he's, he's thinking that a lot of companies are going to be essentially doing like uh, posting about how they're supporting their communities and doing charity work and that type of thing. And that to almost legitimize what they're doing in terms of marketing to a certain extent that, you know, we're, we're trying to support these people, not only our, our customers, but our employees and the community and that type of thing. So obviously that's something that he thought that was probably a lot of firms are going to be doing. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll leave you to go through maybe these questions and, and kind of how those, those things are important. Sure, thanks, Michael. And this is an article that I wrote in, in the European uh, Business Review, just thinking about the current sort of times, the, the types of things uh, that, that you can do. Uh, let me just very briefly go through each one without, mm-hmm. without going into sort of unnecessary uh, detail here. So if we start at the top with the, the light orange um, circle, how are you showing compassion? I think that the point here is just particularly being mindful of the needs of uh, your employees, for instance. Some of them are going to be uh, focused on uh, childcare, uh, parental care. They may well have health and well-being uh, challenges themselves. So showing empathy, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for, for your employees and other groups is really important. And that sort of links to, to the next one uh, in the green, you know, um, what are you doing to support? So it's one thing showing empathy, but then there's a second step, which is, well, what are you actually tangibly doing to sort of help these people? So let me give you a, a you know, a brief example. Uh, uh, my dean in the business school at the University of Exeter, for instance, uh, he initiated a, a policy across the business school that uh, it's expected that no one will send uh, any emails before 8.30 in the morning or after 5.30 p.m. 
at night. It's a very simple policy, but I think it sends a very important message that um, everyone's sort of under a lot of strain, and that's fine for people to draft emails and do work outside of that, but it's not expected that they'll be sent or, or necessarily received. So I think that's the kind of thing that's showing sort of support during a kind of a difficult uh, period. And, and of course, every organization uh, and leader will have their own approach uh, to that. The third aspect, which Michael flagged, uh, which is in the light blue, is how are you helping the cause? I think, you know, because this is such a majorly important and challenging macro environment right now, showing that you have com compassion and emotion uh, to the wider challenges, I think it is really valuable. Now, some organizations can do that in, in very powerful ways. You know, if you're a, a gin making company suddenly pivoting to create alcohol gel sanitizer, you know, that's a, that's a great story. Or you're a, um, an F1 engineering company um, and then suddenly, you know, you're moving into creating ventilators. You know, that's brilliant, but not all organizations are gonna be able to do that. But I think in different ways, um, touching upon Michael's point about engaging with the local community, there are there are ways in which every organization and every person can do something at a small level to help the cause. Mm -hmm. uh, where are the backups? In the same way that um, it's expected in any organization that you would have a succession planning and replacement planning process, uh, I think it's really important to establish where are your backups. So if the chief executive gets ill, but equally if you've got different levels of people across the organization who are either um, uh, unavailable or, or voluntarily or otherwise, then you've got to think carefully about well, what's the backup in terms of your personnel. At the bottom is about transparency. This is, I think, really important. It's often assumed that 100% transparency is important, but actually, of course, we all know the reality is that 100% transparency could be unethical in some instances. Um, so just thinking about how can you be uh, open and honest with different groups around the circumstances, around what you're doing, without unnecessarily providing information which could, could cause an anxiety, for instance, or could reveal information which wouldn't necessarily um, uh, be appropriate. And then um, the next point in, in the light purple is what and when are you communicating? Um, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that we can over communicate. There is a lot of information out there. I'm sure most of you are receiving a very large volume of emails, um, both in a work context, but also from different products and companies that you're engaging with on a regular basis. And that can just be saturating. And so just thinking about the volume, but also the timing um, uh, of, of when you, you send those as well. And, and that links to um, the next point in pink around sort of uh, how are you engaging um, with uh, work-life boundaries? Uh, and that sort of comes back to my earlier point about being mindful that everyone is in a difficult situation right now and thinking carefully about sort of how how you personally manage that as well as helping other people who are working for or with you to manage that because clearly having some set of boundaries in a in a very heavily digital focused environment uh, is going to be really really important uh, and then um, the, the final point really to make here is uh, what are you doing in, in terms of sustaining professional relationships of course, lots of staff at the moment have been furloughed um, 
and or we've got a situation where a lot of your partners, a lot of your customers, a lot of your clients, you've got a, a, um, a more distant relationship with them because of the volume of activity going on. But just because people aren't necessarily buying your products and services or they're not currently uh, working for you necessarily, that doesn't mean you can't have a strong professional relationship. And I think there's a tendency to go cold turkey and cut people off but I don't think that's a very good medium and long-term strategy in terms of sustaining and maintaining those relationships because they're exactly the kinds of people that you're going to need when things start to crank up again. So that would be kind of my summary there, Michael. Awesome. That makes sense. So, I mean, um, in general, I mean, is there, is there kind of like a, a scale of where or, or what maybe to do first? Um, I think that that that, that, that comes up a, a lot with with people. You know, if they were to, um, you know, in, in create a set of action steps or something like that towards, you know, how do I start doing this? If it's never, if it's something they haven't really done before, obviously, you know, a lot of, you know, they, they think about it when it comes to marketing or their product or their their branding per se. But how, you know, in terms of, let's say, reputation itself, if they're going to utilize these things to specifically focus on um on improving their rep or you know safeguarding it to a certain extent is there a night is there kind of a you know a step-by-step -step process or is there a place to, to that they should start that you would maybe recommend great question i i would say that rather than adopting a template, uh, think about it as having some kind of heuristic. And what I mean by that, I'm not trying to be sort of overly clever, but mm -hmm. I don't think one standardized approach is necessarily um, going uh, to be helpful because every organization yeah. is obviously different. But what, what I would say is that ensuring that you as an individual, if you're a leader or your senior team, you have clarity internally in terms of your approach. I think that's a really important starting point. Uh, and, and once you've got clarity internally, then the second obvious point is around how are you going to communicate and engage with your different stakeholders, knowing that that form of communication and engagement is going to differ according to the stakeholder. So clearly, you know, how you're going to engage with your staff is gonna be quite different from your customers or how you're going to kind of engage with your collaborators. Uh, and then I guess the, the third aspect is thinking carefully about this is a short term, relatively short term uh, phenomenon. Of course, you know, how that manifests over time it is clearly going to be much longer. But thinking about what are you going to do once this kind of first phase is over? How are you going to move? Let's say phase the phase we're currently in is a red phase. How are you going to sort of change your modus operandi? Uh, in the amber stage, which is kind of going to be a transition phase, and then thinking further along to kind of a more green phase, which will be longer down the line, and it won't be the same as where we were before, but it will be getting back to relative normality. So I'd say that would be kind of the broad approach that I would take, but how that lands will really depend upon the culture of your organization, the structure of your organization, and the nature of your stakeholder group. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, so, so really take a take a view through those different uh you know uh, questions that we went through obviously we'll include the link to the article this and uh you know uh, the presentation as well so that people can go through kind of what we've been talking about to get a better idea of it start by reviewing those and kind of establish that in, in, internally 
um, you know, maybe your answers to those questions and how you're approaching it and kind of go from that point, but not really, there's no real specific place to start, but more like just start. <laughs> yeah. Know, to... I'd say having, having a structure, having a plan, communicating that and thinking about the time horizon within which that operates would be kind of a, a rough heuristic. But of course, you know, I, I don't think you can be that specific at a general level because of, you know, the, the points oh, yeah. that I made. Too many, too many different things, right? Every company yeah, is different. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of high level overview or general overview, that, that, I mean, that should pretty much help people. So um, we've got some main questions here that were or brought up before the uh, the webinar, so we obviously got these in because it's kind of an amalgamation of 15, 20 different questions that we got. Um, so first one here is, you know, what must companies do to establish and maintain authenticity in, in regards to their reputation right now, I guess, and it also applies to kind of as we, we go forwards. Yeah, I, th I think this is really important to think about, you, you know, with when we think about authenticity, it, it's, you know, being true to yourself and ensuring that, you know, how you see yourself as an organization, it is reflected in how you engage and communicate with your different groups. And so that comes back to an earlier point that I made in the previous discussion about the level of uh, information that you're providing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think, um, I don't think it's always appropriate uh, or necessary to provide 100% uh, uh, transparency for, for reasons that, that I've mentioned already. But of course, if clients or employees feel that you're withholding or you're facading important information which is relevant to them, then I think that's a real, real problem. And normally um, people pick up on signals quite quickly as well in any case. So I think just gauging the level of communication that you're having with your key groups is a really good starting point. And then thinking alongside that around sort of how frequently does it make sense to engage with people and sort of how detailed do you need to be, you know, with that information. And sort of, I guess my overarching approach coming back to the point about having an oversaturation of information is that I think some degree of frequency is good, but not to have too much information within any one given communication channel. I'm sure lots of you have received these very long emails or documents. And in my view, they just don't get read. So, so I just don't think that's a helpful or a useful communication tool. I don't think they get read anyway, but during the, the period we're in right now where people are being saturated with similar types of messaging, I think it's even less likely people will read, let alone actually absorb that communication. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, um, overloaded with, you know, um, the first line of every email being, I know you're struggling in this time, or, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of compilation videos out there right now, of different, you know, ads that have gone out, Toyota being one of the big ones, mm -hmm. um, you know, essentially the same ad format of, you know, open streets, empty roads, um, you know, we support the community and then insert product here, you know, uh, whatever it is. And it's not, it's not really even related to, to what they've been, what they've been saying. So, um, I mean, that ties into authenticity as well as even that next question, which is kind of, is there a way to showcase, you know, that kind of support without, you know, becoming 
cheap or insincere or again kind of just completely blowing up your reputation you know maybe you genuinely are helping or want to help um or you know the support the cause i guess you could say um but is is i mean again something like that obviously is at one extreme where it comes up you know obviously you shouldn't do that but i mean you know is is there a better way to maybe do it in terms of in terms of going out i mean you kind of mentioned that maybe being a bit more general and not having it completely overloading the amount of information that you're actually doing so maybe you know um going out with you know not too frequent messaging but an overview of what people are doing and how that's going to not only help the company and their employees but the you know the community and the message that people going out to the consumers or the the customers maybe that's a way um but um you know we, we've been kind of speculating with a bunch of different people on that um, but maybe you have some some advice or thoughts. Yeah, I think a, a few things um, uh, to mention here. One, I think this is an opportunity for you in a non-sales pitch way to explain to different groups some of the initiatives that you're taking. Now, those initiatives might be around um, safeguarding your organization. It might be around explaining some of the really positive things you're doing to support different stakeholder groups, or it may be even about some fantastic initiatives that you're doing to, to kind of help the cause, as I mentioned before. So I think that would be uh, one way of kind of uh, projecting um, authenticity. Uh, I think a second area to consider that might be useful is providing uh, some additional value for, um, for different groups. Now, now value could, could be um, applied in many different ways. That might be uh, some, can, some kind of discounting. That could be um, the provision of some level of free um, service or provision. So my field, for instance, uh, virtually all of the publishers have been providing open access to articles that relate to COVID-19 as open access. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that, that's kind of, uh, I think, been a, you know, a really positive step, but there are lots of different ways, I think, uh, that different organizations can do that with their own knowledge uh, of their client and customer base. I, I would say the third point and final point on this is just be mindful that while it is highly appreciated when you do provide additional value, if the other person or the group gets a sniff that you are taking advantage or that you're using this as an opportunistic kind of marketing ploy, then I think it will backfire. So if it's just a way for you to instrumentally sort of strengthen your brand you know, or suddenly get lots and lots of customers in a way that's just doesn't come across very well, then I, then I think um, that could backfire in the long term. It may, it, you may get some quick wins in the short term, but I think it, it's not a good strategy in the medium to long term. So I think there is a bit of a balancing act between ensuring that you're first showing the value you're already providing, second, that you're providing value to those people that you're communi communicating to right now, but, but alongside that, just being mindful that you're not sort of either boasting or being perceived as kind of opportunistic. So I think there's a bit of a tightrope you have to walk there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, definitely, you know, it's a little bit of a fine line um, between, you know, uh, actually supporting people and 
marketing ploys, you know, yeah. <laughs> definitely. So um, uh, we do have a question there from Nick. We'll get back to that uh, just at the end. Um, but um, so the next one that we just had here, kind of um, should messaging come from the company itself or from a company figurehead or both? I mean, this is kind of obviously related to, you know, um, we're seeing a fair amount of CEOs um, and mm -hmm. uh, top people in organizations kind of posting when they wouldn't regularly post about, you know, uh, about things, broadcasting messages versus their company doing that. Um, or, you know, even more just general senior leaders in companies. Um, so, I mean, obviously in some cases, this is a, can be a negative, but I mean, from, from our experience, we've, we've always recommended that, you know, the, the senior leaders engage, but at the same time, we have seen that a lot of this, it can almost come across insincere because if you've never ever posted anything before, um, and all of a sudden you're now saying you're, you're, you know, you're the, you're the CEO of whatever, uh, company. I mean, if it's a little bit different if it's smaller, but if, you know, you're in a scale up stage or something like that, and suddenly you're starting to post a bunch of stuff about this, um, it does come across as a little bit insincere, especially if it's all, you know, kind of surrounded about that, what we were kind of discussing, which is the, you know, the, the facts that, you know, uh, your message is, is, is a message of support, but, you know, if, if you're doing it, you know, to maybe hopefully get customers in the long term, but you are trying to do it genuinely, if you do it that way, you're going to probably come across not genuine. So um, that's been our experience. I don't know if uh, that's something that you have come across at all in the past in terms of, uh, I guess you could say almost celebrity or yeah. company figureheads versus uh, just the companies themselves. Yeah, and it's a great question. There's a lot of research that's been done on sort of two branches of reputation. You know, you've got kind of the individual reputation and, and often mm -hmm. uh, that, that literature is known as kind of the celebrity CEO literature. And there's a whole bunch of evidence around uh, when things are going positively well uh, and a CEO is performing well then that has a contagion effect on the other aspect of reputation, which is the organization's reputation. In most cases, you know, we're talking about corporations, but that could also apply to, you know, a government department or to a charity, for instance. So there is, I guess, the opening point to make here is that there is a strong relationship between kind of individual leader reputation and organizational reputation. And, and as you've alluded to, Michael, when things are going really well, you want your leader your celebrity leader to be doing that communication because him or her is the figurehead uh, and 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 they bring personalization they bring a human side to the business um, and that can be really positive but of course as we know very well there's countless examples of where individuals have been embroiled in a scandal or a leader has made a slip up a faux pas uh, and there, you know, the contagion works in, in, in a negative way, right, where actually it can have the inverse effect. So it's going to sound like a bit of a fence sitting um, response to your question. Um, but I would generally say um, that it, it sort of depends. But as a, let's assume that you feel confident that as a leader, you know, um, it's going to be well received. Um, that you're communicating directly with different stakeholders, then I would say that it would be a good thing to ensure that a person or a set of people 
are actually communicating uh, as opposed to having a, a sort of a, a corporate message because i think a corporate message you know tends to be dehumanizing it, it tends to be sort of more focused on a brand rather than a sort of a personalized message but you know if you didn't feel confident with a particular leader um giving a message or you feel it would be so out of sync as you were saying before with kind of previous messaging before COVID-19, then actually in terms of authenticity, it, it might be better to keep with kind of a more corporate type of messaging. So sorry to sit on the fence with my response, Michael. I mean, I think that's the, you can't do much about that because in, in reality, I mean, reputation like we kind of established in the beginning is not exactly, you know, a hard and fast thing, right? So it's uh, managing it is not the easiest thing in the world, but trying to do it is, uh, is obviously more important. So. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, even almost a common sense thing that, you know, if, if I was to get this from, you know, my, let's say, software provider or person that, you know, runs my payroll software or someone who, you know, uh, sells me X, you know, would I, would I think that this is very strange coming from them before? Have I ever seen anything from them um, versus the company reaching out to me or is it, you know, the, the support people that are reaching out to me? So, I mean, um, when you look at it from like a user perspective, as you know, a lot of product and, and product marketing things, decisions are made, you know, it kind of makes sense to think about at least, you know, where, how you would feel getting that message, you know, and, and if you're just getting it out of the blue and you've never, ever gotten anything before, I mean, personally, I would, I wouldn't like it. So it's kind of like, you know, look at not only what is value adding to those people, but also, you know, pretend you are one of those people and see it and you know how you, you would appreciate that type of message coming across. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's where, where, what we've seen for the most part kind of being the, the right area. Um, so, I mean, that, just a, a quick recap, obviously, I mean, we went through uh, the different types kind of main four types of reputation straight into those, uh, you know, those, those main questions. And like I said, we will have this, presentation, those questions linked to the article as well, um, you know, for, for everyone um, put together uh, when we get, when we do get this posted out. So those will be able to, you know, review it in a little bit more detail. Um, and then obviously some of those, those main questions, but I think it comes back to really in the end of one overarching theme that, you know, um, you're not going to be able to do, let's say one step-by-step -step action to, uh, you know, basically has a template to improve your reputation, but what you can do is, you know, take those questions, review what you're doing, um, engage internally first, and then, um, I mean, if you if you want to take it a step farther, you can, you know, do external user interviews on your on your your messaging campaigns on that to find out what people actually appreciate. Um, but in general, kind of take a common sense view of it. Um, know that you. You could cross the line if you try and uh, make your support messaging or transparency or into essentially a, a sales tool. Um, so don't do that. Focus on more of it on, you know, this will actually legitimately improve our reputation as we go through. Lots of companies are trashing theirs. So um, that's, that's going to be a, a pretty big positive step for people. Um, so that's, that's kind of my quick overview. I mean, if there's any this if you could do one or two sentences on 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 reputation what the most important thing that anyone can think of when they're first approaching this topic that they never have before 
Yeah, I would just um, remind you that uh, reputation isn't a singular thing. It's not just one particular activity. You know, as I as I alluded to earlier, there are kind of multiple aspects of reputation. So thinking about what are your kind of core products and services, who are the key people you need to engage with, how are you engaging in different uh, geographic locations if, if you're operating in multiple jurisdictions, and then the final point really to make is that you know reputation is about the long-term game it's not about kind of short-term wins which i think is we kind of touched upon uh michael in some of our discussions about you know just not playing these kind of short-term games of quick wins because in the reputation field you know the, the famous you know warren buffett quotation you know it it can take 20 years to build a reputation and it can be lost in, within a few seconds uh, that, that's I think something to just ma to think about and reflect on um, uh, relentlessly because um, you don't want to be kind of making finding yourself in a reputational crisis because then it's going to take you a long time to recover from that absolutely and that's um, and then whether that applies to uh, the, the messaging you do or the actions you take you know definitely consider that because I mean, as I think a lot of people have seen, you know, just in relation to something like concrete, like a cost cutting measure where people are, you know, firing staff or laying them off or um, whatever, what have you, um, or maybe they've decided to cut the process for their hiring or, you know, something like that as an example, you know, um, if you can afford it and there's, this isn't actually, you know, you're not fighting, you know, to survive, like, as an example, you know, the, the, the hospitality industry, you know, that's a different story, but, um, you know, a lot of tech firms don't really have that, that issue is just, um, uh, you know, they're not maybe growing as fast. Um, and, and if you do things like, like cut your staff or extend processes too long, or, you know, uh, maybe don't pivot your product or whatever it might be, and you don't, and, and you take a, maybe a drastic action, you know, the people who are in that process, who, who are your staff or whatever it might be, you know, are not going to, that's not going to look good on you. And as it goes through this process, you know, you're seeing tons of things popping up, different websites, you know, talking about uh, companies that have misused, you know, applying for loans in the US as an example, or, you know, companies that have fired staff when they didn't need to, or, you know, whatever it might be, but these things are popping up everywhere, almost like hit lists of companies to never, never deal with again. Um, so, you know, think about your actions before you take them and that, and, and, you know, keeping it that mind on, on reputation, of course. So, and, I mean, and just to add to that, uh, Michael, to be mindful that your actions will have an impact on you as an individual, as well as your teams and the organizations that you serve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I know we have uh, a question here with from Nick. Um, I don't know if that's popped on the screen because I've actually never used Zoom, so I did click answer live, but I'm not sure if what that actually does. Um, so so uh, I'll just read it out here for you. Um, what is the relationship between reputation, company values, and customer experience? Should the reputation strategy be ultimately shaped by uh, these? Thanks, Nick. Um, I would say that uh, reputation generally is an outcome. And so, so my, my general approach um, would be to think carefully about what are your sort of high level um, aspects of your business. So, you know, most businesses, you know, have a mission. 
they have a purpose that they're they have a set of values um, and they're kind of the higher level and then strategy for me is the connection between some of those high level sort of um aspirations with kind of operational details so from you know if you've got a good effective strategy then that leads you know to very clear goals that you set and kpis key performance indicators so i think it's it's important to have kind of the detailed aspect of your business you know the, the goals and the kpis and to have those kind of um uh, values vision mission statements and the strategy is the connection between that i would say that the reputation is an outcome of that if you if there is alignment between the big picture and the detail and it's done in a, a coherent way then your reputation will follow in a positive way now of course it, it's not a linear process you know you may start to think, well, actually, these kind of KPIs or products, they don't really seem to link at all with our values. So maybe we need to start to rethink well, what are some of our values? Do we need to kind of reevaluate them? But I do think kind of a, a good organizational structure connects the big picture with the detail and reputation as, as a general rule will be an outcome of that process. But it should be feeding into that process, particularly, you know, if there's some misalignment. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, a lot of, um, when you work with a lot of organizations on how to kind of do their strategy and, um, you know, whether that be product or marketing or, or just in, in general for their executive teams, um, that's obviously one of the big things that always people tend to start with, you know, company values um, and that type of thing. But what we've, what we've done quite a lot of and um, seems to be a, a very good way to start at least um, is to think about how you you know want to be seen. So almost your your reputation and what you want and what your goals are. And, you know how, what what kind of value you're you're adding or want to add to you know the, your customers or your your community. Um, so this is obviously considering that this isn't like a startup. This is obviously a business that already exists and is looking at maybe reframing that and, and trying to make sure they're in the right place. Um, so kind of like you say, it's that, that is the outcome that they kind of want to achieve um, to a certain extent. So you can't necessarily, it, you know, you're not going to be able to just automatically do that. Um, but, you know, if you have a broad overview of what you actually want or how you want to look and how you want to be perceived, then you can take that and, um, you know, build your, your strategy, which, you know, kind of puts together your customer experience, you know, the values and, and the product as well itself. Yeah. And from the from the academic literature, it fits very well. So, so there's a concept known as identity, which is how an organisation sees itself, whereas reputation is defined as how others perceive the organisation. And I know it seems maybe so obvious, but often there is a, a significant disconnect between how organisations see themselves and what they stand for and what people outside the organization perceive of that organization and that that's what i was getting at with misalignment if you've got a misalignment there or at least a significant misalignment then you're going to have to do something in terms of kind of reevaluating your modus operandi because that kind of misalignment is not sustainable let's say you're an energy company uh, and you're claiming to be green but actually a lot of your external stakeholders really don't see you either being green or moving towards kind of a green type of 
uh, direction. Well, well, you might get away with it for a bit, but over a certain period of time, that's not going to sustain itself. And so that's where you need to ultimately have alignment between yeah, what I would term from the literature, organizational identity and organizational reputation. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I do have a few other questions that came in from some of our other feeds here. So um, actually this one was answered before, but it's, uh, is there a level of transparency that will actually create distrust? You kind of already went through that, but um, you know, and is it a good idea to put forward the messaging to customers and audience about their internal strategies and kind of elaborate a little bit more on that, on that point um, about that level of transparency with external uh, external parties about your internal situation. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really difficult one and it may to some extent depend upon your structure because if you're a publicly listed organization, you, you that you now there are some obviously legal aspects to kind of what you, what you can and should be disclosing publicly, but your kind of communication externally might be quite different to, to let's say compared to if you're kind of a startup organization, fairly small, but maybe growing quite quickly, that kind of communication style um, will, be, um, will be quite different. But I would say as a general principle, and particularly keeping focus on the circumstances right now, I think uh, it is uh, appreciated and valued when you're kind of open and honest around the current circumstances. Uh, that you're facing. Sometimes I think there is this mindset that, you know, we need to put a shield around our organization and not to give kind of an inch in terms of any vulnerability in the system. Um, maybe that's true in certain organizational structures and types of organizations. Maybe that, that does apply. But for most organizations, I would say bringing a human aspect to this and some honesty around the situation. That doesn't mean going into details around sort of how many people you're gonna to have to furlough and kind of losses of revenue projected over the next six to 12 months. I don't think that that's necessary, um, but I think some honesty around the situation uh, is useful and, and actually counterintuitively, some of that honesty can lead to greater goodwill and willingness to partner with people as opposed to the, the often erroneous perception that by being more honest, it makes you more vulnerable. I don't think necessarily that's true. So long as you manage kind of that tightrope that we were talking about walking earlier. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, there was another point here, but again, it looks like we did kind of answer it. Um, it was just more around, you know, the, the actual actionable advice for that. So, I mean, I think we kind of answered that there's no real, um, let's say, step-by-step -step process that you can take versus, um, you know, just starting somewhere. You know, so if you haven't really been considering, you know, reputation in terms of, you know, your, your messaging or your product and what kind of features you've actually developed and who you're helping and, you know, whether that be, you know, your, your customers uh, with new features or, you know, free use or, you know, just supporting charities or any of these types of things that you're actually taking or just your messaging in general, um, you know, just related to the current situation, um, start somewhere and look at how you want to be, you know, perceived because there's no real, let's say, step-by-step -step process. Um, but if you go through these different, you know, the, the different questions, the different types of reputation and kind of consider it, then that'll make a, a big impact for you, yeah. at least to start with. 
Exactly. And I would just add one other point, which is recognize that you probably need a sort of a circular approach rather than a linear approach, meaning that whatever approach you take, you need to build in mechanisms through which you can gain feedback from others, whether that's your employees, whether it's your customers, whether it's your investors, um, rather than just saying, we're going to take this approach and we're going to follow these steps. That would be a linear approach, but there's no way to kind of circle back and think, actually, is this the right approach? So I think if you've got a flexible circular type of approach where you can build in the feedback and maybe slightly shift your approach, that doesn't mean completely throwing your original approach in the bin, but it just means finessing. Then I think that's probably a better strategy than just, right, this is our approach and we're going to follow it um, uh, to a thumb. Yeah, and I mean, being flexible is obviously a key point here, no matter what, you know, uh, with things changing every day. So yeah. not much we can really do about that. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't think we have any more questions on here. I have seen a, a few things. Um, thanks, Tim, for that. Uh, and um, we do have the, obviously, a white paper that will come out of this. It's more of a overview than a white paper, just things that we've talked about and, uh, you know, kind of a, notes on our session so that people can get a you know a, a, an easier overview so if anyone wants that um you know throw a message in uh, the q a or the direct chat to me uh just with a white paper or overview um right in the box there or from any of the live streams um so for those of you that did reach out to me previously um or you know during this session uh, and want to just have a quick chat about this uh totally open for that um Will, I'm not sure uh, if you know you're you're open to you know get questions from people, but we're happy to to put those together if something happens and, and send them over to you in an email if if there's a you know kind of external questions that people people have. Um, so um, I think that's a good uh, a good way to do that on that front. Yeah. Um, send them just across a if there's any if you know if there's a way you want people to. To send them through uh, just let me know after we can we can put that together you know for people to contact you if that's something that you're open to of course yeah um so i think that covers pretty much everything um obviously uh you know anyone that one that i have a one-on-one -on -one schedule with after this about this um look forward to speaking to you then um next week we do have another session for anyone that wants to join uh, we'll be announcing that probably tomorrow um I think that's pretty much it for today. I really appreciate the time, Will. Um, I think I uh, have a bunch of uh, other notes on here from, from people saying they really appreciate that as well. Yep. Um, so uh, awesome. Really appreciate it. And uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll cut this off here because we are over time a little bit. Um, I'll let you go. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Great. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.